0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon, and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right, I've been looking forward to this for days, and I'm glad you're all here. Um, I'm going to tell a little story, and as I'm doing that, if you would turn to Colossians chapter number two, we're going to be reading verses eight. Through 10. In the long history of con artists, George C. Parker holds a special place of dishonor. He is remembered as one of the most successful and daring swindlers in American history. He set up an office in New York City and sold some of the city's most famous attractions to tourists. His favorite was the Brooklyn Bridge. He, was, he also sold the Statue of Liberty, Madison Square Garden, and Grant's Tomb. He produced elaborately forged documents and deeds to convince his targets that he was the rightful owner of the landmarks he was selling. Parker was so persuasive that on more than one occasion, police had to come and explain why the new owners of the Brooklyn Bridge couldn't put up toll booths to collect money from those who tried to cross. After this third conviction for fraud, Parker was sentenced to a life at Sing Sing Prison in New York, where he spent the last eight years of his life, he dishonestly made a fortune preying on people who foolishly believed his empty words. He not only was an expert salesman, but he realized that many people were gullible, and he could use that to his advantage. And unfortunately, while that's kind of humorous, Satan knows that exact same truth, and he uses that in our lives today. And Paul he wrote the letter of Colossians um, to proclaim the supreme power, the authority, and the sufficiency of Christ. While Paul was in prison in Rome, and many believe he was on house arrest, he heard a report from Epaphras, the, the pastor at the Colossian church, who made a journey out to him to tell him about the teaching, the false teachings in the city of Colossae. People apparently were saying that Jesus was a good start. But other beliefs and practices had to be added in order for their salvation to be met. Paul responds by affirming that nothing needs to be added to the work of Christ. As Lord of all creation, he is more than enough for every believer. There's three principles I'm going to cover today. One is the problems we face. The second is the pleasures that we seek. And the third is the provisions we are given. And as we go through this, this sermon tonight, ask yourself these two questions. What are your priorities in life? And two, what are you seeking in order to fill your life? Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you do a work in this message tonight and you, and you enter the hearts of everybody here and, and you help it to really sink in the truth that you have power over all things, Lord, and that you are the only source that we can go to, to fill our, our needs and and to help us to grow. And Lord, help work through me, Lord. Help me to get out of the way. And I pray, Lord, that I don't diminish your message, but I I just ask that you work through me and you speak through me tonight and, and you help me and everyone here to make this a reality in our lives that we seek you above all things in this world. And Lord, I thank you for providing these words to me and bless this message as I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If we can all stand, we're going to read Colossians 2, 8 through 10. Paul wrote, "...beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power." You can be seated. The, the problem that we face, and this is the first point, is, is explained in these verses. After Paul urged believers to continue in Christ, in verses 6 and 7, in whom is the fullness of God and who brought complete redemption, redemption being our freedom from the slavery of this world, Paul then condemned the Colossian heresy that was pulling the people in that church away from Christ. He said, "'Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit.'" What does philosophy mean? It is the study of the fundamental nature of knowledge, reality, and existence. Paul did not want the Colossians to be captured by deceptive philosophies. But Paul wrote here not against all philosophy, but against false and vain philosophy, just as the Bible speaks against false religion. In James 1, 26, he says, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Another definition for philosophy is the love of wisdom. If you love wisdom that is not Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, Then you love an empty and deceptive idol. If you love wisdom, then you will be, as 2 Timothy 3, 7 says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You will continue and strive and strive and strive to gain these these understandings, but to no avail. It will be worth nothing. He said, not only to beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, but he also says vain deceit. And this is key to what these three verses are actually talking about. Vain, what does that mean here? It, the word vain in, in Greek means empty, devoid of truth, fruitlessness, and futile. And then deceit. This one really hit me because at first glance, deceit, it seems like, okay, they're trying to deceive us with empty ideas. They're trying to trick us. But this word is actually apatēs, and it means pleasure. So it's empty pleasure that's going to tempt us and pull us away from the truth, which changes the whole, whole perspective on these three verses. Colosse was not dealing with, with deception, but they were dealing with false philosophies and empty, seemingly pleasurable beliefs that were based on human tradition and not after Christ. The philosophies they were dealing with were based on traditions of men after the rudiments of the world. Another key word here, and and you should underline this, is rudiments. What are rudiments? They're stoicheia, evil spiritual beings that seek to control and destroy people's lives through false empty pleasurable concepts they 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 lead us away with these ideas that are going to fulfill our needs but they are forces that enslave us with those things the the further we get into this enslavement the harder it is to get back turn to Galatians 4 3 through 9 if you would Galatians chapter 4 and I'm going to start reading for the sake of time but it says, Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements. The word elements here is the same word, stoicheia. The elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, Goth has sent forth the spirit of his Son, then an heir of God through Christ. Sorry. Spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Verse 7, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, no more a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. How be it then? How can it be that when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. But now after that, Ye have known God, or rather, are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, the stoicheia, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. Paul is referring to the evil spirits here, the stoicheia, who inspire such heresy, and over whom Christ has already triumphed. But Satan, one of Satan's greatest weapons... Is religion. And if he could remove one thing from the church, one thing, it would be the gospel. It would be the truth of power's victory that he's already won over Satan and that Satan has no power. We can go boldly with that certificate at hand and say, You're no longer in control of my life, Satan. So we need to remember that. The Stoicheia have nothing over us. We are no longer servants, but to God. Paul identified the fundamental issue that the the Church of Colossae was dealing with and that we still today are dealing with. Human rules and traditions are being recommended as necessary supplements to Christ. Necessary supplements to Christ. If you get baptized, then you'll be saved. If you pay... This amount of money, then you'll get saved. If you go door to door, you'll get saved. If you pray every day, you'll be saved. But that's not what the truth is. There's no fullness. There's no substitution to Christ. And in philo- there's no fullness either in philosophy based on vain human, Satan-inspired reasonings. He said, and we know this because for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse 9, verse 9. Which leads into the next point. The pleasures that we seek. Only in Christ can we have fullness or completeness. And there's nothing outside this, in this world that will ever bring us that fullness. And apart from him is vain emptiness. Right. There's nothing. It's completely vain. Mm-hmm. Tennis star Boris Becker was at the very top of tennis world, of the tennis world. Yet he was on the brink of suicide. He said, I won Wimbledon twice before, once as the youngest player. I was rich. I had all the material possessions I needed. It's the old song of stars and pop stars who commit suicide. They have everything, and yet they are so unhappy. I had no inner peace. I was a puppet on a string. Becker is not the only one to feel that sense of emptiness. The echoes of a hollow, vain life pervade our culture. You don't have to read many contemporary biographies to find the same frustration and disappointment. It is all over. And we don't even have to read about it. We can look at our own lives and think about all the times that we went through the same thing. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Solomon wrote very vividly about this. He says, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun and behold, all is vanity. That word vanity means worthless, All is worthless in vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. I communed with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate, and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I gave my heart to know wisdom, and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also is vexation of spirit. For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. How many times in your life can you look back and, and think about being in that position? I can't have just the idea of, of having a hard day at work and saying, you know what, I'm just going to go home and I'm going to sit on the couch and I'm going to eat a pizza and I'm going to watch TV for the rest yeah. of the night. Because you're, so, you're stressed, there's so much stress, and you're just like, I'm just going to relax. But then you neglect to, to get to the true source of who's giving you that energy, and that's Christ. Yeah. You're not getting it in the Bible. You've, you've missed it. If you didn't start your day that way, and, and in, the, in the midst of stress and, and hard situations, you turn to things outside of that. You, don't, you forget to pray. You start to forget to read your Bible. You start to think, I don't have time because I have to go fix this problem. I have to, I have to you know, do whatever it takes. To, to relax. And some people, unfortunately, that's, that's drinking. Yeah. Before, I, before I chose not to drink anymore, I would be like, well, it's just a beer. You know, I'll just drink and it'll help me relax. But I wasn't reading the Bible. I wasn't, I wasn't going to the true source of, of you know, energy and, and, and sustenance, you know, the provisions that God is providing. But here's the thing. There is no drug, no drink, no pill, no job, no title, no man, no woman, no game, no amount of money, and no promise this world has to offer that can compare to the fullness we can have in Christ. Amen. He said, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Yes, sir. Which leads to the next point. The provisions we are given, they are given by God, by Jesus. The word Godhead, meaning deity, was used only here This one time in the entire Bible, and it speaks of Christ's essence as God. The full deity of God, all of who God is, is in bodily form through Christ. Both Christ's deity and humanity were challenged by early Gnostic-like heresies. The Gnostics believed and, and diminished Christ to nothing but an angel whose body was only apparent and not real. And people were starting to believe that lie because they hadn't seen him in person. But Paul affirms here in verse 9 that Christ is both fully God and truly man. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. And if you can't, at least just write these down. He says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby, Know ye the Spirit of God? Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not Jesus, or not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us, and he that is not of God heareth not us, whereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So not only is all fullness of God in Christ, as said in verse 9, but as But we as believers are complete in him. Which in verse 10 he said, And ye are complete in him. That word complete is the word plero. I may be saying that wrong, but it's two O's back to back. So I'm going to say it that way. It literally means I fill up. I fill up. John 7, Jesus said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And he also says in John 4, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of springing up into everlasting life. Our fullness of life does not come from this world, but it comes from Christ's fullness. He's already in us. He provides that for us. And we partake not only in the fullness, but in the divine nature through Christ. Second Peter 1.4 says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. And John 1, 16 says, "And of his fullness, Christ's fullness, have all we received and grace for grace. We share in the goodness of the nature which Christ is." Amen. He says, "And we and ye are complete in Him. Ye are filled up in him, which is the head of all principality and power. We share in the body of Him, which is the head of all principality and power." This includes all those who would talk us into believing that we should be living according to the world and not according to Christ. Not according to what the Bible actually says. Christ has all power. And he, who's dwelling in us, gives us that exact same power. So again, I ask you, what are your priorities? Are you seeking a job title? Are you working all of your time towards a new victory or a new, a new time in a game? Are you, you know, you're, you're looking to a girlfriend or you're looking to a boyfriend or you're looking to what you can, you can do next and not seeking for the actual priorities and goals that God has placed in your life? And what are you seeking in order to fill your life? What are you going to when you're stressed? Is it the Bible? Or is it something else that helps relieve stress? Yeah. Meditation is a, is a great example of that. People do that all the time. I've even done some meditation. But it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing in it. True meditation should be in, your, in the time that you pray and that you read your Bible and you're in the Word. That's meditation. Yeah. That is where you're going to get the fulfillment that you're looking for. Not how many pounds you can bench press. Not how you compare to other men. Not how you compare in, your, in your, what kind of car you drive or, or what kind of job you have. You have nothing to boast in but Jesus Christ. That is something worth boasting in. And he, he gives us those provisions on a continual basis. But we have to remember that when we're stressed... When we're going through heartache, when we lose somebody, we go to Him. And he will, he will sustain us. He will give us a peace that we've never had outside of that. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I, I, I believed the lie. Yeah. I believed it. Yeah. I'm like, if I, just, if I could just get that raise, if I could just if I could just have that girlfriend, if I could just, whatever it is, fill in the blank. Yeah. If I could just get that, then I'll be happy. Yeah. Then I will feel complete. But it's vain, it's yeah. empty. And it's, it's just empty pleasure. There's nothing to it. The fulfillment that you're gonna get from Jesus is like none other. So if you don't know that, you're missing out. Amen. If you don't know that, you're missing out. And if you don't know Jesus, then you're definitely missing out. Amen. You need to come to him. I, I, I ask that you, you, you not only just give your all to Jesus, but you ask him to help you to put him as the priority in your life. And to help him give you the ability to seek Him in those hard times because He is the only way you're going to sustain and make it through this. He is the only one that you should be rooted in and sustained through.